Genius, episode 50, Fortnightly, Have You Lost Your Tingles? In this episode 50, your moderator Chris and Isaac Shalev join Bruce Vogue III to talk about the summer of Mortal Kombat, ASMR, J.R.R. Tolkien's Silmarion, and Apple Play. Hey, do you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs. We truly appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inverse Genius's Fortnightly. I'm your host for this episode, Bruce. I'm also, I'm making a lot of motions to the cameras. If you can see me, you can't. It's all audio, but it's what I'm going to do. It is our every two-week show where we tell and tell. Uh, we tell you things and then we tell you about them because we can't show you because you can't see our cameras. Two people on the show today that I have done uh, quite a few bits podcasting with. I'm happy to see them both together. We learned earlier they had not officially met one another, so I'm happy to be the place, the nexus point where the two of you can meet. First, I would like to introduce, uh, I think, co-host of One Board Games. I know certainly at one point, at least co-host emeritus, if not actual co-host, none other than Isaac Shalev. Isaac, how are you? I am great. I recorded an episode of Onboard Games last night. Last night. I think I have risen from the uh, hosting dead and nice. recovered my position as co-host of Onboard Games. Nice. I'm glad that we are not only here to have you to talk about things, but to also just get a little good old-fashioned necromancy in. That's very good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're here for it. I feel strong about it, and uh, I I want to share a brief anecdote. Uh, now that I've risen from the dead, I was uh, I was talking with my wife earlier, and uh, she said to me, apropos of nothing, and I had really no memory. Um, she said to me, "What's fortnightly?" And I said, "Well, it's it's every other week." <laughs> and she said, "What?" And I said, "Right, you know, it's every other week. It's fourteen days, I think, right? Every other week." And she yeah. said, "Why is it on your calendar?" <laughs> and of course I realized that that's what I had put on my calendar to hold this date and I then explained no it's 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 a podcast that we do every other week about every other topic besides board games. Yep. She's like, "Oh." <laughs> we and I'm shocked that you are our first who's on first style anecdote about this. I figured it was going to hit much earlier than it did now. I think you are our first and I'm glad to hear it. I'm proud to have been had. Very, very good. Uh, yeah, that's probably phrased correctly. So uh, <laughs> let everybody know where they can reach you, because that's a thing Donald does every time, and I'm trying to just live in his giant footsteps. Oh, sure. Um, I'm uh, at Kind Fortress on Twitter. That's your best bet. If you email me, Isaac at KindFortress.com, the Gmail fairy will eventually deliver that mail into my inbox, but nice. not that frequently. So really, uh, the Twitter's your best bet. Fair enough, fair enough. And then you may have heard giggling in the background of everything that was going on, uh, probably outside of the inverse genius sphere uh, and outside of the show that I have done, the person I've probably done the most appearances with on various podcasts, none other than your moderator, Chris. Chris, how are you? Hey, everybody. Speaking of back from the dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's America's favorite board game has been moderator, Chris. Good to see you. Good to be seen, and I think that may actually be true. Normally, someone would say it. I'd say, "Oh no, no, you may be America's <laughs> favorite former board game podcaster." It's a fight, and I think this is going to end up being like the album sales of uh, of uh, Hotel California and Thriller, where they kind of battle back every once in a while between you and Michael Fox. <laughs> that is true. Well, he well he is the world's favorite uh, board game podcast has been. Very good. See, so he's got the global title. I okay. have the intercontinental title, we'll say. You the, know the, what? the secondary championship. You know, it's not bad. It workhorses normally get that one. The people that really are putting in the time, are putting in the reps, normally get the intercontinental. Well, I'll yeah, because if think... there's anybody that's not prolific, it's Michael Fox. <laughs> 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 I really hope you heard the air quotes in my voice there. I love you, Mike. So, Chris, it's the thing I'm obligated to do every time because I've heard it so many times. Where can people find you out on the wilds of the Internet? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at TableFlipsU. Uh, you can also listen to the complete series of Flip the Table, a podcast about cheesy, weird, and obscure board games at TableFlipsU.com or in the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for Flip the Table. Uh, unless it's, like, a good one, I think... 
Uh, Stitcher requires you to post something every six months. So it might have fallen off of that. I don't know. <laughs> but you go to the website. You'll figure it out. It'll be fine. You're on the internet. If you found this show, you can certainly <laughs> find out. <laughs> so it's now time for us to start our fortnightly game of Tell and Tell. Uh, we started at the beginning. We drew straws backstage. Uh, first straw went to Chris. Chris, what are we talking about? What's what's going on? What do you want to uh, tell everybody excitedly about? So 2021 for me has been the year of Mortal Kombat. Uh, both... The Mortal Kombat movie, and then subsequently, I picked up Mortal Kombat 11 on a deep sale. Uh, I think it was in April. It may have been tied in with the release of the movie, and it was available on Switch for something like 70% off for the game and all the add-on stuff. And so I experienced both of those over the last several months, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Sort of like a reverse Kickstarter. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask one thing before you get into it. Um, so first I want to ask Isaac. Isaac, were you ever like a, a fighting game kind of person? Oh, sure. Uh, I played a ton of Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2. That was go. probably the game I played the most. And then Mortal Kombat came out, and they had this crazy innovation where blocking was a button. And <laughs> it totally broke my brain, and I was terrible at it. Fair because what I found is, especially of a certain age, if you are a person of a certain age, you had like the fighting game that was your fighting game. It's not that you didn't play the other ones, but you had the one where like you personally identified with it because, and I'm sure for both of you, at least some part, there's like a part of your life that you definitely nostalgically look back at uh, with a smile on your face thinking about it. So for Isaac, it sounds like it was mostly Street Fighter for you. Uh, for me, it was either going to be, I think my first love would be Mortal Kombat, which Chris is about to talk about. And then secondarily would be Tekken. That's another one where I just had a lot of, but they were kind of, you had. That's the Liam Neeson like, joint, right? Say it again? Where, where like they, uh, they take his daughter and he's mad yes. about it. I mostly only cared because if you played it enough, you could turn one of the guys into like a disco guy that did disco capoeira. You'd get Tiger. And that was, once I could play as a disco capoeira guy, then suddenly I was in for Tekken. I mean, that sells it to me. Yeah, exactly. So, Chris, tell us about, because uh, I'm going to have to guess at the point that this is the year of Mortal Kombat. That must have been one for you back in the day. It was. And as a general rule, I cannot stand one-on-one fighting games. <laughs> I hate them. I'm not good at them. <laughs> I I really, I don't understand the strategy. Like, There was a game called Killer Instinct that came out where they explained very clearly to you how to do combos. And I got kind of okay at that. But the only reason I liked Killer Instinct was because it had a banging soundtrack that came on a CD with the game. Uh And I spent more hours listening to that than actually playing the game. One-on-one fighting games. Right. Can't stand them. I hate them. But I always liked Mortal Kombat. I think it came out at that sort of adolescent time with, for me... When, like, gory, stupid violence in a video game was such a novelty that it spoke to the person I was at that time. And it was just so over the top and so such a contrast from Street Fighter, which was the one everybody liked and the one that everybody was really deeply into, uh, that the contrarian in me also really liked it (laughs) uh, for that reason. And I remember growing up, uh, some of my fondest memories are like Mortal Kombat three when you uh, I had a Nintendo power subscription at the time and I learned the cheat for one button fatalities and that was the makings of an all-night video game party uh, for <laughs> me and my friends was just playing over and over again and executing easy fatalities over and over again nice nice for me it was uh, Mortal Kombat 2 on the Genesis and there were like a group of four of us that just decided that we thought it would be a one-night deal we're like we're gonna play this till we beat it and like eight weeks later, we finally <laughs> accepted where we were like, and every Saturday we would get together at 7 p.m. and we would play till midnight and we would eat terrible Pizza Hut pizza that was ordered in. And that is just what we did. And finally, we all looked at each other. and We're like, this game cheats. I can tell you with two months of I am now an expert level player at this game. If this thing keeps beating all of us consistently, it is the game and not us. I think we just have to salute one another and call it a night. But so then so then with those eyes of that having been kind of, you know, who you were, uh, how do you feel about Mortal Kombat 11? Uh, Mortal Kombat 11, the game. uh, So I mentioned earlier that I got it on this deep discount. There is 
so much value in this game, I feel like I stole it at the price that I bought it at. Uh, Let me give you one example of how extra this game is, okay? (laughs) So... You know, we were talking about the old sort of old school Mortal Kombat where like when at the start of a fight, you see the two characters, it says fight and then you just fight. Yep. So these games start to evolve. And then over time, you start getting like the announcers announcing the name and, and maybe not necessarily in Mortal Kombat, but in fighting games in general, it yep. would say like, you know, Scorpion versus Molina fight. And then the technology gets better. And then they say like one line of dialogue to each other at the beginning, mm-hmm. like, ah, I'm going to kill you. No, I'm going to kill you fight. And it's like, oh, that's a cool thing. and. So Mortal Kombat 11 is like, okay, now they're acknowledging each other. So it's like, (laughs) hey, Liu Kang, I don't like your headband. Well, Katana, I'm not a fan of you. Fight. It's unique dialogue (laughs) for every character. But there's 37 characters in this game. They have that exchange for every (laughs) pairing of characters. And that's not even how extra this game is because... You've got like the extra characters like Rambo (laughs) and the Terminator, (laughs) and they all have unique pairings of little intro dialogue. So it's like, hey, Rambo, I'm going to terminate you. Adrian. And they like. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm really connecting to their personalities now. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone plays Rambo. Yes. (laughs) And Peter Weller is Robocop in this game. That's how extra this game is. That little just <laughs> unnecessary detail is one of the many things uh, that draws me in about Mortal Kombat 11. And you know that like Rudy Giuliani recently signed up for that service where cameo. you can uh, you can get a celebrity to like leave you a voicemail. Yep, cameo, cameo, yep. and I kind of feel like. That's how they got these voices. <laughs> so, side game. note, uh, that's how they got Gilbert Gottfried to do it. <laughs> if you it. look on YouTube for Gilbert Gottfried Mortal Kombat, there is a heavy metal video <laughs> where Gilbert Gottfried is singing the Techno Syndrome Mortal Kombat song. Nice. And they got that audio by buying a cameo. Wow. wow beautiful. So, that it's like is- Scorpion Raiden. test your might like um so yeah (laughs) and and you have only scratched the surface right that's one little stupid thing that they put so much effort into the story mode uh i really enjoyed (laughs) so story mode in this game so like when we were growing up playing story mode in a fighting game was like you get one slide of a story like at the end if you beat it that's all you get um I turned the game down to Fisher Price difficulty. Like as you should. Very easy difficulty because I like I said earlier, I'm not good at fighting games. I don't want to get good at fighting games. I've tried <laughs> the game cheats, whatever. Yeah. Um you will sit and watch 12 minutes <laughs> of cutscenes, beautifully rendered, compelling, wonderful cutscenes weaving this amazing story. Uh in between fights. And now because I'm playing on Fisher Price difficulty, it's like, oh, you're going to face the most evil monster that Kronika, the big bad, has to offer. They're totally invincible. We're establishing they're totally invincible. And then it's like, round one, fight, finger poke, they're dead. Mm-hmm. But but even with that, uh, it was fun to just watch Mortal Kombat for a couple of weeks on like every other night when I had an hour to play video games. I would just plug it in and I would play story mode on Fisher Price difficulty. And, and I found it pretty engaging. And, and they did a really good job of sort of calling back to the sort of 90s Mortal Kombat that we grew up with, but weaving it into sort of the more modern mythology that they've built. Uh, and they did it in a way that makes sense. And that was just fun to watch. And I think most importantly for anybody that's kind of of our age that's saying like, well, I haven't played a Mortal Kombat since three or something. Um, this is the one to get. They made it for you. They literally take the time to, through this story, say like, oh, here's the Johnny Cage that you remember who drops down and punches a dude in the balls. But now there's a new Johnny Cage who, uh, who's a father 
and kind of an all right dude. And they don't understand each other. And they take the time to say, hey, 90s guys, this is what you think this should be. Over there is what we are now. We changed in 2004. <laughs> this is what it was. Hey, I'm the guy you know. That's the guy you need to, to look at because that's the actual show. Um, so this was exactly the one to jump onto if you are kind of like of the group of people that we are where you played with like one, two or three. This feels very much like um, sort of the Cobra Kai mm -hmm. version of Mortal Kombat. Kind of. It does have a distinct sense of humor about it. And Mortal Kombat has always not taken itself too seriously. Like it weaves kind of a dark story, but it's always had a sense of humor, whether it's like the friendship moves or whatever, or yeah. just little subtle details like the guy yelling toasty or whatever. Um, it, it strikes a nice balance with that, I think. Mm-hmm. And then that's still not it. So they all have unique acknowledgments, many of which, if you pay attention, try to explain the story to you if you don't right. know it. Uh, a full story mode that my wife watched me playing at one time, and after 15 minutes, I had a fight, and she was like, you're playing a video game? I thought you were just watching a movie. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's not just like a digital movie. She was like, really? Because that's been 15 minutes. Right. I'm like, well, I'm about to have to fight for 30 seconds because I also put it on Fisher-Price. <laughs> but there's more. There is more. There is more. So you've got the Towers of Time. Yep. Where if you want that sort of old school experience where you just fight a series of people and then you get that like 30 second story at the end, you get that for all 37 characters, including Rambo <laughs> and RoboCop and all of that. Um, so if you want to see Rambo's story in Mortal Kombat, there is one and you can <laughs> see it that way. There's a whole crafting system, which I haven't even touched. Like, it's real weird. It's yeah. real. As a person that touched the crafting system, it's also, have you done the crypt yet? Uh, so I've done the crypt. It's, it's to explain to the audience, it's kind of like, as you play the game, you get coins and you go to the crypt and your coins open treasure chests, which have all your unlockables in the game. So you like your extra outfits and extra music and art and things like that. So the more you play the game, the more coins you get the more you can run around the crypt and open these treasure chests. It's, it's kind of an Why interesting way to do it. Keep those things in a crypt? Because it's a crypt with a K, and it's Mortal <laughs> Kombat. And and you can. And there is a little bit of storyline in the crypt. If you do, Chris, and you shouldn't, if you do enough <laughs> hours in the crypt, a story starts to emerge where essentially like you're coming into the bombed-out ending after the Mortal Kombats, and you're trying to piece together what the hell happened. But it takes hours for you to get the right pieces and that's where the crafting system comes in They're like well if you get the amulet of blah 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 and you can combine it with the necklace of blah 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 you can make the the gold rope neck chain of blah 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 and when you do that a whole new part of the crypt opens and then you start to learn there's a story there and uh but what is neat is if you played the old games and you walk around the crypt you'll see all of the old sets hmm. including from the movie you can also find stuff from the from the, like the the christopher lambert movie I think that's who that was that was Raiden back in the day yeah like they, like he's hidden in there the old Sonya Blade from the original movies in there if you go look around you'll see like oh I think this was a movie scene and you're like oh the internet knows they're telling me exactly where it is from the movie so yeah a lot of crazy stuff there yeah it's uh it's it's pretty nutty I haven't dove into playing online against other people once again because I suck at this game and I uh only want to beat up easy computer opponents uh, and I'm having plenty of fun doing that. Um, but it does appear to have like some freemium stuff going on with it. Like you can buy like Mortal Kombat gems or whatever. Yes. And uh, so so you can buy things or I guess craft things if you grind long enough to give you like little advantages and bites and stuff. Um, the interesting thing that I saw was that you can buy easy finisher coins. I yes. forget the exact name of it, but it's like if you don't want to execute the button combinations, then you can give us money and we will give you 50 easy finishers. And once they're used up, you can give us more money if you want to do that, which is a little weird to me. Um, I want to I want to be able to just put in a cheat code and just do it with one button, but can't and have the only reason the game does is because there's things where it's like unlock the the bracelets of Shiva if you do 100 uh, finishers. So they put that in there. So if you want to get to that other unlockable and you don't want to have to like you don't want to have to do the same fight four times to remember the button combination. You can do that, right? Also, a lot of real crazy outfits in it. 
because yes. when they got new weird characters like the Joker, they were like, well, we don't want to waste the time putting Harley Quinn in, but we don't mind making two outfits for Molina that look a lot like Harley Quinn. <laughs> Clever. So, yeah. And I guess if uh, you want to see the finishers, YouTube is a thing now. So you, you don't necessarily indeed. have to work at it if you don't feel like it. I, I watched all the friendships in one supercut video, and that's a fun thing to watch. <laughs> that's definitely something worth checking out. If I just watch like a supercut of all 37 like endings, is that a coherent story? Will I feel like I've I've sort of been through Mortal Kombat? I don't know. Why don't you do it? <laughs> I'm I'm quick to say no. If you did watch the movie from start to finish, that would be a coherent story. I mean, I know that seems like a, a stupid statement to make, but if you did that, the like story mode that Chris was talking about, that would. But just the endings of the games, I can't imagine because it would be like reading one Iron Man comic book and then one Captain America comic book. Like you could find threads between them, but I don't think it would tell a coherent story. Well, the hunt for the perfect supercut goes on. Indeed. Indeed. So talking about the supercuts and talking about the movie. Okay, Chris, hit us with the rest of it. Hit us with your thoughts on the movie. I loved the new Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> I really, really dug it. And I know not everybody did. And I don't care. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I feel like it's in a sort of, I would call it a subgenre of movies which are like Warner exploitation movies where <laughs> Warner Brothers takes a brand that they own mm -hmm. and they're like, how do we make some money off of this? And then they, <laughs> they sort of figure out how to give you everything they think you want from that movie. And it's a, it's a beautiful mess and it's a wonderful thing. Um, Mortal Kombat is the most winking at the camera movie I've seen in a long time. And, and I mean that as a, as a genuine compliment. It is the snakes on a plane of video game movies. <laughs> it knows exactly what it's doing. And I think it does it well. I, I can't agree more. Having seen it the day it came out. I had HBO Max and I was like, eh, I'm already paying for it. And I was <laughs> delighted by it. Uh, even the things that they got so horribly wrong, they got right for the type of movie that it was. Right. Uh, the one thing I will point out, because this is the thing everybody points out, I think it's a fair thing to point out, uh, Sub-Zero, I believe in the movie, uh, speaks Japanese. He's Japanese. Uh, except he knows, no, I'm sorry, it's Scorpion. Yeah. He knows one line of English. I bet you he can't guess what it is. Exactly. And they make sure. <laughs> the whole movie, they go out of their way to make it super clear to you that they are very much Japanese. And that you need to know this, that they that it's a, a whole background from years and years and centuries in feudal Japan. And that, you know, that that like a Chinese people come to them. They, they're like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. And they fight except for <laughs> he knows get over here. It's just that one moment where the the movie looks directly at the camera and says, oh, you want Mortal Kombat? Here's your friggin' Mortal Kombat. Get over here. And the movie does that so many times mm -hmm. throughout the movie. Like, like, just randomly, like, there'll be two people fighting, and then one will beat the other and murder them, and then Kano or somebody will be like, flawless victory. Like, just like... <laughs> Like at one point, somebody just is like fatality after killing somebody. They just say it. There's no context around it. Um, and that's what you want from this movie. It, it is. Let's make a movie that is has the depth of a 90s fighting game. That's <laughs> basically <laughs> what it's doing. Um, but it does it in a fun way. It, it really I don't feel that the movie takes itself too seriously or if it was intended to. Maybe that's even better. I don't know. But. <laughs> Um, but it was a lot of fun. It is the kind of movie I hope gets a shadow script. I hope some group of nerds figures out a shadow script. So there are things to yell at the screen, uh, during the movie. Cause I think it, it wants it and it deserves it. I think it does too. Or like the people like miming the movie in front of the movie, like that kind of thing, like yep. throwing red streamers at each other. Yep. And, like, um, I have to say, listening to the two of you, I was transported back to like the late 80s. It was like the newlywed game. 
You know, and when you ask one person, what is the other person going to answer? <laughs> you know, and then they hold up their placards. This is the audio version of the two of you realizing that you truly, truly love Mortal Kombat and one another. Yeah, all of those things are true. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a wicked fun movie. If, if you're if you are going into it, expecting it to take the Disney Marvel approach of Let's take a popular comic book or sci-fi or fandom thing and turn it into cinema and make it serious and important. This is not what you're getting, and and you will be disappointed if you think you're signing up for that. Um, if you want to say, let's do exactly what we did in the 90s, only maybe a little gorier, hey, there you go. You're, you're getting exactly what you want. So any other things that you feel like you haven't gotten to in the Mortal Kombat 11 slash the summer of Mortal Kombat for you? Oh boy, this the summer of Mortal Kombat is is treating me very well. Um, I was very glad to experience both of these things. Um, I would suggest that uh, if you're if you're into Mortal Kombat at all, watch for the sales on this stuff. It must go up on a Steam sale at some point if you're a computer person. I got on the Switch. Bruce was right. It does fill up your whole Switch. I had to buy a new memory card uh, because I had a 32 gig card and it took the entire card, so I had to just get a new one for. Yeah. The rest of my games. Oh, and also, if you get it on the Switch, do be prepared for the performance to not be the same as if you were playing on a computer or on an Xbox. Like if like if I'm playing Rambo, for example, his hair is dark in the cutscene and it's gray in the game because they're cranking the performance down to make the game run. Um, I can accept that because I got the game cheap. Uh, but maybe if that bothers you, then play it on a different machine. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that is available on about every single video game device you can find. Uh, the movie you can find on HBO Max or uh, probably I hear movie theaters are still running. It's probably still in one of them somewhere. If not, how do you even measure the success of the Mortal Kombat movie? I'm not sure I know how. That's <laughs> no clue. No, I think the fact that it was it. released is success enough. Yeah, Indeed. it made it out the door. It's maybe that's why I liked it so much, because I was watching it as like this movie got released. That's <laughs> fair <laughs> this movie is what it is and it came out and that's a beautiful brilliant thing <laughs> so now isaac it is your turn uh to to tell and tell right on right on i feel uh honored to kind of fall on my sword on this one <laughs> following <laughs> this just <laughs> adrenaline fueled excitement and kind of return to mortal combat with we gotta with cool it down a little bit we gotta <laughs> everyone change the tempo Take a long drink, pull on that <laughs> flask, get your feet up. This is a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. All right. So you may have heard of ASMR. That may be a thing that you've heard of in the past. And uh, I was turned on to ASMR on On Board Games by Stephanie Straw. <laughs> who is known more for her sort of delightful laughter and, and, and insightful mind than for putting people to sleep. But she knew about ASMR and she told <laughs> me about ASMR. For people out there who don't know what ASMR is, you should search for it on the internet. It will not get you into trouble for the most part. And <laughs> you will discover a world of soft-spoken and soothing voices just here to give you a sense of peace and comfort and connection and warmth. <laughs> They're just here to make you tingle. Not not in that gross way, but in that, oh. Isaac, like, I don't know what feather. you're teeing up, but I'm <laughs> real curious now. Right, where is this possibly going, Isaac? We know what you are going to talk about. <laughs> so here's the thing. I... Over the course of the last year and a half, which in which nothing notable or any kind of stressful thing may have happened, and no, in which nobody experienced any tumult or mm -mm. sort of uh, you know disruption of their normal schedule, and in which no one experienced insomnia, yeah. I somehow found that it was challenging to get to sleep. Okay, and I started listening to ASMR, and ASMR is, you know, really pleasant to listen to when you're going to sleep. You know, you find like the Tibetan uh, uh, wood bowl person and you get these, you know, sounds of... <laughs> okay, so you're not... Right? It's not like KMFDM. That's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to try and keep it, you know, family rated here. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, and, and you start listening and, and there's somebody who is walking around the mic and can you hear me in my left ear? Can you hear me in my right ear? And, you know, all this sort of stuff. And that worked pretty well for, for, for a while. For a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I, can, I can try it with my mic. I can give it a little bit of a... Yeah. Right. Okay, and so I think your mic is too good. My mic. <laughs> your mic is too good. I can't hear it. It has to be. It has to be this kind of thing. Hey, hello, hello. <laughs> it's nice to see you tonight. This, this is me. Just like. Can you hear me? This is the most deeply uncomfortable introduction to a topic. <laughs> and this isn't even the topic. So rest assured, we're blowing right through this. So. I was listening to this ASMR stuff, and for a while it worked really well, and I was into it, and it was great. And at a certain point, it just stopped. I, I, in, in the language of the ASMR community, which is made up, of course, of ASMR fans and ASMR artists, okay. in the language of that community, it's called losing your tingle. Oh, okay. Oh, I lost my tingle. Okay. And... What's worse, I wasn't falling asleep anymore. Okay, that's, that's not good. That's not no, good. no, 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 no. That is not, that's not, that's not where I was aiming. I was aiming for bedtime. So um, I, you know, started experimenting, trying to listen to other things. And at one point, um, somebody mentioned, totally unrelated, on Twitter, that it was Ben Maddox, of all people, um, mentioned a fine host of an incredible podcast called uh, Five Games for Doomsday. You should check it out. Mm -hmm. But um, he mentioned that he was about to read The Silmarillion. Now, I don't know. You may have seen the memes of, like, you know, uh, uh, Boromir and Denethor. For all you Lord of the Rings fans, right? You've got Denethor with his scowly face, and you know, you got Faramir, the brother who's trying to make good, right? And Faramir saying to his his father Denethor, "Dad, I just started reading the Lord of the Rings," and Denethor responds, "Boromir would have read the Silmarillion." That's kind of what we're talking about. This is. For nerds who want to out-nerd the nerdiest nerd, this is for people who want the lore behind the lore. The third age? Nonsense. Second age? Puh! I want the first age. I want the music of the Ainur. I have read Ainur Lindale. So, so let me see if I can draw a comparison that maybe Bruce and I will understand a little bit better. Bruce, this is yeah. like if you like Mortal Kombat... And you played that one side-scrolling game where you're Sub-Zero the whole time. Okay, That's... okay, now... now... <laughs> yes, it's, it's roughly in that sort yeah. of... It's sort of like if you like minor league baseball, yep. but you've somehow found yourself in, like, eastern India watching cricket. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I've been there. You, you now are speaking directly to me. Perfect. So this is... A the Silmarillion is a collection of fables and lore and, and stories from way, way, way before any of the movies or books of Lord of the Rings. The characters featured are entirely inscrutable to you. You don't know who any of them are. None of them connect to anyone that you know. Um, and none of the uh, place where it even happens is the same place. So, like, you know, <laughs> you get the maps in Lord of the Rings and you're constantly flipping going, where the freak is any of these places they're not in any of the map from the place i know because spoiler spoiler yeah. for a book written 100 years ago but spoiler oh, no. it turns out that the entire land where the silmarillion occurred sinks into the sea prior to the beginning of lord of the rings no oh. the entire time you're like no no for sure i'm gonna figure out that you know this place is really that place and the worst is they use some of the same names there's a place called Minas Tirith, and you're like, oh, I know that place. You know, Must be don't. the same place. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with it. It's, it's a just... different Minas Tirith. It's one you probably don't know about. There's a lot of cities in Maine like that. Like, <laughs> you could you could go to Mexico, comma, Maine, or China, <laughs> comma, Maine, or Paris, comma, Maine. Right. It, no, it's it's the other Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's It's really, and, and these stories are not, fully formed and they're told in a very um, old style in terms of the language itself. It's not written to be read like Lord of the Rings, which is still a little archaic. This is full on like somebody looked at like Beowulf in the Bible and was like, I can write that. 
And so here I am. My buddy Ben Maddox is like, I'm going to read the Silmarillion. Now, I am, a, I am a big Lord of the Rings nerd. Don't get me wrong. War of oh, the Rings I, is my favorite board game. Moment, I, have, I did not think you weren't. No, no, nobody doubted me. Nobody doubted my credentials walking in. <laughs> but I have, like, the map of Lord of the Rings, that famous hand-drawn map, hanging oh, over my map. fireplace. <laughs> wow. It's a triptych. It's in three yeah. panels. Like, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, right? But Ben says... He's going to read the Silmarillion. And I'm like, wait a minute. Ben has a lovely voice. And the Silmarillion is this like long and kind of difficult book to get through. And I did try and read it and I didn't remember any of it. And I was like, "Mm, maybe what I need to do is listen to the Silmarillion as an audio book. And maybe that's how I'm going to get to sleep. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for connecting that. I know um, you were hanging you, on the ASMR you had, piece. You're like, where's this going? Well, you had shared the topic beforehand, and then you started going into <laughs> ASMR during that intro. And that, <laughs> if, if you're listening at home and you are an ASMR person, uh, I fully support your uh, desire to ASMR. But that cognitive dissonance, I think, broke my brain there for a minute. So I appreciate you bringing it back around. <laughs> It was a long journey through mountains. There was a dragon at the end. <laughs> really the whole thing sinks into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, I look around and I find that um, the audiobook exists. You can even find it on like YouTube if you don't want to pay for this stuff and like you don't mind like that there's a couple of dropouts here and there and whatever. But this guy, Martin Shaw, narrated the Silmarillion and he has a sonorous English accent and it's like listening to Ian McKellen do it. You know what I mean? It's this wonderful voice acting and you know, it is kind of biblical, right? The Silmarillion starts with the story of how the universe was created and all of these angelic beings and they sing songs and they talk to each other and then they talk about how they create trees and like, it's really like creation myth. And for anyone who grew up in a church or a synagogue, you know that if somebody is going to read that to you on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, you are out. It, it better not be <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried, that's for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a whole different. Well, right. I will say that um, the Bible is probably a, quite a bit sexier than the Silmarillion is. Wow. Um, the Silmarillion and then on is. The third day. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's wonderful to listen to because, you know, you're not going to remember any of it. It's not really going to add up and make any sense. But it's this, like, listening to somebody read you a fairy tale Mm -hmm. and you kind of fall asleep. And, you, you, you know, midway through, you've completely lost the plot. Your mind is in a completely different place. And that's so wonderful because the next night. You can just start again from the there you same go. place. <laughs> you maybe skip like 10 minutes in, but you've got the entire 95 hours remaining. Pretty much that's what you do. And at a certain point, I was just, I would set a sleep timer for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, I'd fall asleep. And, you know, it, at some point you get good at ripping your, your headphones out without even waking up anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I would miss the last like 20 minutes of each half hour segment so wow. i wasn't even it, it's like it's like reading a a, a a polka dot book you know what i mean like you're just reading the dots they never connect they don't overlap and it's tens of hours of audio that you're getting 10 minutes a night so i mean i bought the audio book it was like 10 bucks or something right i bought the book because i've looped around at this point Dozens of times. Well, probably not dozens. That's a lot. But I've easily looped around this thing a half dozen times. And I would like start 10 minutes into the chapters. And, like, <laughs> I have no idea how the story connects. I don't know what <laughs> happened in which age. I don't know who is the son of whom. I don't know who. Ma- There's an entire plot line that has this incredibly deep and tragic irony because a person falls in love after terrible travails and hardships with this mysterious woman and he falls deeply in love with her and she falls deeply in love with him. And there's this great reveal when her identity and his identity are revealed to each other. And it's deeply tragic when that happens. And I did not know why 
it was deeply tragic. <laughs> and I didn't understand what was going on. And it took another few turns before I put together that at the beginning of the story, these are in fact siblings. They were separated at birth and oh, they wow. discover years later that they are siblings and all of their love turns into ashes in their mouth when they realize that they are cursed. Ah. And, and that took quite, quite a few listens to kind of put back <laughs> together. So the Silmarillion audiobook, if you're into ASMR, but you've lost your tingles, if you're into Lord of the Rings, but you felt like you could never scale this mountain, you could never, you know, Boromir your Faramir. If you just want to get to sleep, <laughs> the Silmarillion audiobook narrated by Martin Shaw. Wow. And I have to assume you've said that it could be available on uh, on YouTube. Here's what I'm going to say, just based on everything you just said to me. Give the man his money. <laughs> Let him, he clearly has earned it. He spent, what would it have to be? 400 hours recording this so that you could half asleep say, man, the way he's saying this, it sounds like this must be real tragic. <laughs> it's real tearful. <laughs> I, I better I'll find out why. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll add that, I'll add two things. One is, that there is at the very, 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 very end of the Silmarillion, a portion of the Lord of the Rings story that you will be familiar with if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings. That is your, it's your like end credit scene. It's like okay. a tiny Easter egg in like hour 60 for like two minutes. <laughs> right, but like but, it's, but this is like, you know, in, in 2021 where we're, uh, all of this should be hyper stylized, right? If the Lord of the Rings movies were made now, there wouldn't be three of them or there would be one of them and it would be like 80 minutes Right. But this is more like, take it back to like Shakespeare. Shakespeare's like, I'm going to write the histories. And there's like 25 plays and nobody's read all of them. This, this, this is more like what it's like. So the end credit scene of that is like a chapter. You get like a full on like 12 page chapter. So that's one. Look out for that if you're into it. Two is, if you find yourself so motivated and inspired you want to patronize this this move this this effort this work you can in fact get the audiobook not only of the silmarillion but there are several um embellishments and spin-offs like the silmarillion spun off three additional books Oh my word. Yeah, cuz nerd nerdiness is fractal like there mm -hmm. is no bottom. Yep. So um and Children of Hurin is one of those books, and it is narrated by Christopher Lee. Oh, who wow. of course ah, played heavy metal legend Christopher Lee, who played Saruman in the movies, as well as um, what's his name, uh, Count Doku from Count Dooku, right? Not Do yeah, yes, Count Dooku. I was like Count Deku. No, that's Zelda. Count Dooku. In, in Star Wars, and these are essentially the same characters, Dooku and Saruman, basically the same guy. Um, you can listen to Christopher Lee do this. And what's incredible about that is Christopher Lee did this when he was 90 years old. Yeah, Christopher Lee wow. is an amazing story. He's doing heavy metal Christmas albums well into his later years. He can just do whatever he wants and he's going to do it great. What and I think this will speak. We're we're all sort of '90s kids, so I think this will mm -hmm. speak to us when we talk about like Christopher Lee. He in the '90s was in his '70s. <laughs> 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 he was born in 1920. <laughs> wow. For a second, I thought the button you were going to put on that is it was read by Christopher Lambert of Mortal Kombat fame. <laughs> oh, that would have been wonderful. I can't, I, you know, maybe, maybe I, I can't say for sure. This, this, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't possibly say, but me, maybe Baron and Luthien, one of the other spinoff novels has been read by Christopher Lambert. We'll have to look it up. Silmarillion colon Annihilation. <laughs> That's... Yes, uh, yes, Silmarillion, uh, you know, uh, Two Ring, Two Furious, something, something along those lines. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I really, I, I want to know, I want you all to know, this is the gift of sleep that I give to you. You, you took me on a journey with that, Isaac. That turned out to be a wonderful, beautiful, honest, vulnerable journey, and I appreciate it. Indeed.
Well, I've told and I've told. So, Bruce, it's time for you. Here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a quick note. Uh, and all of you that are listening, this is not going to be important to you. Uh, but I believe Donald Dennis is editing this. And right now, Donald Dennis is listening to this. And he's thinking to himself, oh, no. Bruce is batting cleanup. And we are 37 minutes into this show. What's going to happen? <laughs> And what I'm going to say to both all of you listening out there and to Donald is, don't worry, I'm going to make this one short, because uh, I think <laughs> I unfairly stole a little bit of Chris's time. So, uh, what I want to cover is not going to bring you uh, anything of value. Uh, it is the <laughs> Apple Arcade. Uh, for those of you out there that have any of the Apple products, first thing I'm going to state is, if you hate Apple products, okay, cool, you do you, boo-boo, I don't care. Um, the thing I'm going to talk to you about, is it so great that you should switch from whatever platform you're on to Apple? No, no, it's not. If you have Apple products already, or you're on the fence and you think you might consider Apple products, they have a very cool service called Apple Arcade, which is exactly what it sounds like. The fine folks at Apple for $5 a month provide you with, I think it's right now like 120 different games. That is awesome. And it's awesome mostly because of this. I have an Apple TV. I have a game controller you can hook to the Apple TV. You can pick one up on Amazon for like 25 bucks. I also have an iPad. The Apple Arcade has some games that work on both of them and some that don't because they've decided that some of the games really sh you should play with a controller and that's it. If you have an Apple TV, here's an extra game that uses a controller. If you are playing on, I guarantee you, if I end up switching from my Android phone to an iPhone, there are going to be some games where they say, look, they are best on this tiny screen. They feel like phone games. Blowing them up is going to make them look stupid. So we are only going to put them on the iPhone and the iPad. And it's wonderful. Um, the one thing that I think Apple Arcade confuses people, because you hear the name and you think they're all going to be kind of short, bite-sized things. You think of, especially once again, if you're of a certain age, you think of games like Pac-Man and stuff when you think of Arcade. Or when people tell you years later that something came out, well, they made, you know, they made Final Fantasy Arcade. It's their way of saying to you, we made a very shallow game that is exploiting characters you like. That is not fair for this. Some of the games are that. Some of them are, it's Pac-Man, but you can battle with other people. It's like Pac-Man Battle Royale, which is awesome. Uh, if you were, uh, like I was, a PlayStation kid, and you sort of like didn't like sports games, but if they were goofy enough, you'd play them, there was a series called Hot Shots Golf, where it was big, chibi characters, and it was a perfectly uh, fine golf game that was a lot of fun. And if they had put like real golfers on it, it probably would have been an even bigger cult classic. But they put like crazy proportioned human beings that sometimes wear ridiculous clothes. Uh, well, they made those up until I want to say the PS3, maybe really early on the PS4, and they stopped. The sequel is on Apple Arcade. Oh, wow. Yeah, there is a game called Clap Hands Golf. And when I saw it, I was like, what does this even mean? And this is what got me into it was I looked it up and they said, oh, Clap Hands is the company that made all of the Hot Shots games. And the next one, they decided as a studio, they wanted to see if they could make a mobile game. Like, could they use what they do and use the technology that's available to mobile? But they didn't want to have to figure out how to monetize it. They're like, we just don't want to figure out like how to screw people out of microtransactions. But we want to see if we can use the hardware. So Apple said, well, if you'll make the game, we'll put it on Apple Arcade. There's a monthly fee to play it, and you can just make a video game. And that's what they did. You go in, and you're just playing Hot Shots Golf. Uh, in some cases, they'll have a game where you know, I'm playing one. I think it's called Star Trek Legends. It is, hey, Star Trek characters from all over the Star Trek-verse are together, and you're going to send them on missions, and they're going to play uh, stupid RPG fights. And I know for a fact this must be a phone game. And that someone somewhere has to pay money to get parts of this. Because as you're playing, things happen where it's like, oh, you're going to get 50 latinum, but you also might get two other things. And you're like, I bet this is when the game would make me pay. But because it's Apple Arcade, you just get everything. They're like, just take all the things. They want you to check in every day to get things to get more characters, but you get the maximum level every single day. If so it's kind of like a little bit of that freemium gamification, but you're not actually shedding money other than your uh, fee. They literally have taken that freemium gamification, and if you're on Apple Arcade, you can't even connect people to it. Like, one of the games they have is Neko Atsume Cat Collector, 
which if you are, if you kind of remember, there was a period where everyone was into Nekoetsume, where you took care of little cats and you fed them little things. It's on here, and they've eliminated, you can't even buy goldfish in the game. If you ever played it, goldfish was their premium currency. They won't let you. <laughs> they take every reward you can get, and they max the rewards out so that you are as close to that stuff as you can be. But you're not allowed to spend extra money. They will not let you in any of their games. Oh, wow. Some things they've made, uh, which are really their best titles, are bespoke to the Apple Arcade. So, like, there's another one that got me into it that is called... I'm trying to find the name of it, but essentially what they did was was they said, Hey, remember how much you loved NBA Jam and how much you loved uh, three-on-three ice NHL? Well, let's do that, but let's do it with athletes from every sport. So there's a <laughs> hockey game where you can have a team where uh, one person is a basketball player, one is from the U.S. women's national team, and the third one is like a UFC fighter. And they're playing hockey together. And if the UFC fighter does something, he'll like stand up and like punch a guy out and help you on the ice. Or you'll have Bryce Harper and Bryce Harper will stop to do a special and will pick the the puck up, throw it in the air and hit it with a baseball bat into the goal. It's and it's right now it's eventually supposed to come out to other systems, but it's only on Apple Arcade. They just made a basketball one that essentially is something of a spiritual successor to NBA Jam. Same deal. I can have a team of. Uh, Bryce Harper and Mia Hamm and Carmelo Anthony and go play basketball. It's pretty awesome. Uh, they also have a lot of really cool puzzle games and they have things. Here's what I'll say. If you're out there and you're a person that has a switch, sometimes you'll look through the switch store and there'll be games that are just like artsy fartsy. You're like, I don't know what this is. It's some sort of storytelling thing. It's in cell shaded art, but they want $18.99 for it. And then you'll look at it in steam and they'll want, $6.99 for it, or it's on the Apple Arcade for free. And that's what it does. They essentially have tried to buy all of those like weird, quirky, artsy games and brought them all in so you can play them under one roof. There are multiple escape room games, and those they only let you play on the iPad because they want you to touch things. So they won't even let you put it on the big system so that you wow. don't have to fumble with it. They're like, oh, this really should be played on an iPad. If you have the iPad, it's in your Apple Arcade. So as the father of a six-year-old, this yes. is very intriguing to me because she is beginning to pay attention to video games. Yep. And, uh, you know, the ones that she's into, I mean, she does a good job with, but uh, mm -hmm. the freemium is strong with some of these games and the yes. pull is difficult. So to have access to some of this stuff uh, at a small monthly fee and then she just gets what she wants and we don't have to have conversations about it. That's real intriguing to me. Yes. Now, the only thing I will note is, as we all know, we all talk about if you're in kind of this space playing these games, is if the game is pay to win, you can't pay to win. So right. you've got to do all the like grinding 90s style where we all had to sit for 18 hours to get the stuff we needed to go beat the boss. You now have to do that. You do not have an option to make that easier. Um, I don't mind. I've been playing a lot of this uh, Star Trek game just because I'm like, oh, I want to take a team where I get like Worf and Seven of Nine and Khan and Quark, and I want to send them into the universe and see what they do when they fight. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. But there are times where if I was a less patient gamer, I'd be like, can I just give you $9.99 and just have this thing done? Uh, <laughs> you are not allowed to do that. So... Have either of you played or used uh, um, Google's uh, Stadia? I know that they have a similar system. I have not because I just didn't want to buy the controller for Stadia because I already had the controller here. Got but it, it may be the equivalent on the other side. Right. So Stadia, Stadia is interesting because it's the same kind of thing. It's I think it's more expensive. I think it's 10 bucks a month. Yeah. Um, but uh, Stadia is... It lets you use other hardware, you know, like old phones and things like that that you might nice. have lying around. Um, and uh, the 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 reason I brought it up, in addition to just you know wondering if you could compare them, if you'd maybe used one or the other, is because, well, I don't know how to break this to you, but on Stadia, mm -hmm. you can play Mortal Kombat Eleven. For, for free oh. or for the monthly fee it's complicated <laughs> stadia is like 10 bucks a month and there's a bunch of free games and you can be like i want all these free games and then as long as you keep paying stadia 10 bucks a month 
all those games will be yours forever. Nice. And every month they give you a bunch more free games. But if you want Mortal Kombat 11 or whatever other game, yeah. you can buy it and then it'll also be yours for free forever. Nice. That is the one thing that this lacks. It has some fun where Apple went out like they do with all of their services and bought some things. They like they bought these these um, these sports games. They bought a, a Lego battle game. They bought a Lego like I, I haven't played it, but it looks kind of Smash Brothers to me. They have a few of those, but I would say they have no titles like Mortal Kombat. There's going to be nothing like that on here. You're not going to get like the triple A like and they're not even going to flirt with the triple A stuff. They're trying to stay kind of in the artsy fartsy stuff. So it might be that it sounds like Stadia. If what you're looking for is and I hate to use this term, but I will like real video games. Then it sounds like that might be a, a good option for you if you're over on that side of the coin. I wonder if they do they have like the phone game stuff as well. If what you want to do is just sit and like play a dumb puzzle game where you match three for a while. If Stadia also has that. I think they do. I mean, I'm, I'm, awesome. I don't use Stadia. I just get advertised it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, then hopefully if you're out there and you're listening and you know enough about Stadia to talk about it passingly here on the show on Fortnightly, we would love nothing more than to have you reach out. Let us know in all of our different social media, uh, mostly at Onboard Games, even though we're Inverse Genius. That's what we do. That's where you can find us. Um, with that, I think I'm going to close this up because we've run a very long show. Uh, and I think Donald Dennis will forgive me that I don't do our thread through everything. Uh, cause this is a long one. Uh, it's been a good conversation Chris- though. I gotta say. Oh yeah. No, no. I've enjoyed every moment of this, but I also have edited shows before. Not frequently, <laughs> but I do. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's an important point. And now, uh, now I feel a little guilty, but that's okay. No, uh, it'll be fine. Only a little. Uh, joining me on the show, uh, Isaac. Thank you. Yes, it's still me. Should we start again? Were we recording? No, we, we, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness we were. <laughs> thank you for having me on. My name is Isaac Shalev. You can find me at Kind Fortress over on Twitter, and that's where you should find me. If you want to know what might be coming out from uh, my uh, work in the board game industry, uh, be aware that we will soon be announcing so this is a total subtweet but we will soon be announcing the second edition of building blocks of tabletop game design and encyclopedia of mechanisms Ooh, so uh, nice. uh yeah look out for that uh if you don't have the first edition you will still be able to like understand the plot in the second edition you don't okay. have to go back um and uh yeah so look out for that real soon and if you can just make the audiobook i can listen to about eight minutes of it every night <laughs> 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 you need somebody yeah. with a sonorous voice. I wonder if Michael Fox is doing anything. If only. Do you think he's busy? <laughs> I mean, he might. He might be able to make some time. <laughs> Maybe. He might have a spare fifteen minutes between one thing and the next. <laughs> I, I literally fell asleep mid sentence as you were describing audiobooks of game design encyclopedias. Exactly. <laughs> That exactly. may I wasn't be knocking the, the idea most what you're doing. boring and soporific thing <laughs> in the world. I think I think we're just printing money, Isaac. <laughs> and also joining us on the show, Chris. Hey, uh, hey. so formerly your moderator, Chris from Flip the Table. You can find the entire series at tableflipsu.com. Uh, you can buy a game I designed called Roll Estate. It is a print and play game uh, which you can get for three dollars at PNP Arcade. It's three dollars. You have three dollars, and that's all the discussion uh, we need to have about that. Uh, I'm going to do one more uh, plug for something that I'm not involved in, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, It is a podcast called A Different Direction. Uh, It is hosted by my friends Dave and Diana. They review uh, television shows that only lasted one season. So they previously did a show where they watched all of Frasier. They decided they're not doing another series of 235 episodes. So now they're only covering shows that lasted one season. They're in their initial season right now, and they're covering Freaky Links. And I'm enjoying that quite a bit. Uh, So you can check that out. A Different Direction is the name of the podcast. You can find them on Twitter at DiffDirectionPod. That that was a very smart move by them. I almost uh, launched a podcast covering Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Albums. And I was going to do, you know, like one a week. And uh, and I realized that it would take several years <laughs> to complete. And so I just listened to a few of the albums that I had already listened to before and was like, I'm good. 
Good news is you'd always have ideas for content for years. Right. <laughs> and once again, we're always starved for content here. So if you're out there, if you have something you want to talk about, if you have something you're excited about over the next two weeks, let us know just everywhere you can find us, which I think on Twitter is at Onboard Games and probably also other places. Uh, once again, I've been Bruce. Joining me has been Isaac and Chris. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll, we'll, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Get over here. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.